What is going on to all my fight fans out there, man? Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Unboxing, baby. Episode 42. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Jeff, man. Uh, we're going to call this one Better Be First Boval. Winner takes all. We hope to see that after what we saw last week. As I'm going to recap last week what went on, and I'm also going to break down the big fight this weekend between Natasha Jones and Michaela Mayer. We're going to give the women some love. We're going to break that fight down for you at 147 welterweight IBF title fight, man. That's going to be a good one this Saturday. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some boxing news. And, of course, we're going to give some bourbon love, baby, as we do our bourbon review. That's how we're going to start our show out today, guys. Of course, I've got something I've been eyeballing for quite a while, man. I've been seeing it on the shelf, and I thought to myself, i got to try this stuff, man. It looks good. I'm going to give it a try. Nobody told me about it. I saw it. I wanted it. I got it. And uh, that's what we're going to run with this week, baby. So let's jump into it, man. Let's take this shot, and then we're going to talk about our bourbon in review, baby. If it burns, it's working. That's what they tell you, right? All right, man. Let's get into our bourbon of the week. The bourbon of the week, guys, is Whistle Pig Piggyback 100 Proof Bourbon Barrel Whiskey, man. This is some really good stuff, guys. I've been watching. I've been eyeballing it. Age six years, as you can see it down there. Look at all the good stuff, man. Get a good look at that. It is a nice one to pick up, man. I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory about it, but let's get into a little bit of the classification bourbon whiskey. Um, distillery, various distilleries, which is kind of weird. Uh, they have their, their own farm. Uh, company is Whistle Pig. It's a hunter proof. Uh, Release unknown, six years age, color caramel, price $48 after tax is what I paid for it. And then, of course, man, let's get into the backstory. I call the backstory the real boss hogs, baby, because according to what they say at Whistlepig, the pigs run the show, baby. They got a couple pigs on that farm since they bought it. Uh, a couple pigs that have just, you know, and they, and they got new pigs on the farm. So, you know, hey, the pigs are on the show, baby. They are the whole inspiration behind some bourbon. So let's get into the backstory of this man. Of course, Raj Peter Bahakata founded Whistlepig in 2007. After, purchasing, after he purchased a dairy farm in uh, Shoreham, Vermont. But in the beginning, the whiskey was not homegrown. They purchased and stock of 10-year-old blendable whiskeys from uh, the Canadian distillery, a way to kick off the business, guys. Kind of, hey, you know, we know it's going to take a minute for us to make our own, so why not sell somebody else's and make some money off of it? Uh, good ideal, you know, especially if you're going head first into a business like that and you don't really have anything else to rely on. you got to do something to uh, maintain the business Why it all gets started, right? So, you know, don't hate them for that. It was a smart move on their part. More known for the rye whiskey, they just released its oldest barrel to date with piggyback 100-proof bourbon whiskey, uh, aged six years. You can also get this in the rye version, which is 96-proof, uh, if you like your rye whiskey. Uh, and it's located on a farm in Vermont of over 500 acres of rye and experimental crop fields. Uh, as they say, and this is from their mouth, uh, their, what they like to say, their slogan, we're not much for history. 
family legacy or any of that hogwash. No pun intended. The only lineage you'll find at Whistlepig is that of our pigs. Today's chief pig descends from the from our original mascot, Mortimer and Muevi. Uh, they are the ones who really over who are really overseeing the distilling. So hey, they, I told you these guys said the pigs run the show. I like that man. Let these guys do what they do. Pigs are awesome animals. I'm a big pig fan. Uh, but you know, so that that's how they feel about it. They oversee it. The pigs on the farm seem to be to me the heart and soul of it. Uh, with the workers and everything, I guess you know they they keep that liveliness. Uh, they keep people. You know, loving doing what they do, making bourbon. They keep that little love into it. Uh, the pigs on the farm include Mortimer Jr. enjoys crisp Vermont evenings, belly rubs, apples, and leading his other four-legged friend, friends on a jailbreak to snack on loose rye grains at the silos. So he seems to be like, hey, I'm that guy. I, I, I was born here. This is mine. And he takes all the other pigs they follow all the other animals four-legged animal whatever else they have on this farm follows this guy around he seems to be the troublemaker nothing wrong with a troublemaker i was a little troublemaker when i was a kid but hey but they also got another pig named orwell who's uh who was adopted in 2021 with his sister Cito. today uh today's uh soul protege and heir apparent to our whistle pig farm he shows great potential. So this is a the guy they're like, hey, he's going to take over. He's going to be the protege. He's going to be the heir apostle to Whistle Pig Farm. He's going to be the run one running the show here soon. I don't know how, you know, Mortimer Jr. feels about that, but there might be some issue there, guys, and we don't want to start a family feud, all right? You guys might want to calm down there, and uh, you're going to be pumping up Orwell's head a little too much, and we don't want a pig-on-pig disaster going on there guys uh open the evening news to see whistle pig farm tragedy <laughs> no anyways i thought that was pretty cool because they're like hey man we came out in 2007 you're not going to find a lot of history on us we didn't go back to 19 you know 36 we're not you know one of the first bourbon companies out there we're not distilling out of you know a great kentucky state we're not that guy but we are an up-and-coming company that wants to make our own name we don't want to follow in other people's footsteps we want to do our own thing we want to be our own unique place and it seems like they're pretty much doing that. They have a lot of other bourbons to offer out there. The bourbon I'm going to be reviewing, like I said, is the piggyback hunter-proof uh, uh, whiskey bourbon that they have. I'm going to be reviewing that. Here's my review on it, guys, man. I thought on uh, initial smell, uh, just by kind of swirling it around, giving it a little smell, uh, letting my nose kind of taste it before uh, my mouth does. Uh, it's got a sweet, rich, upfront maple, vanilla, sweet oak. Uh, clove and spice uh, are the scents on initial smell. That's kind of what you get uh, from initially smelling it. Of course, uh, it's got a moderate richness on the uh, palate. Sweet cream, rich maple with a hint of brown sugar, guys. Uh, good amount of oak, baking spice, and clove. The oak I like a lot. You guys know I'm a big oak fan when it comes to my whiskey. You can definitely taste the oak in this. Very uh much to my standards. Definitely like it. 
uh, you know, it, it's got a long finish that really complements it well, sets it off, you know, to where it lingers, but it doesn't linger as a bad way, kind of finishes it off really nice and strong, lets you know you're drinking a good bourbon, guys. Ah, let's get out another drink. Uh, but like I said, man, the the long compliments it. The buzz is very nice, but not overbearing. Uh, very good to sip on. I give Whistle Pig, uh, Whistle Pig piggyback, hundred proof, a ninety five out of hundred. Guys, I really like this bourbon. Really nice. Uh, has its own unique taste, own unique flavor. I do like that about it. I like a lot about their backstory which is really cool, guys. I love to hear a cool little backstory like that. Uh, even if you ain't got history, it's nice to still be able to find some kind of story on them. And, you know, they made a story with the pigs, guys. That's what they rely on. That's, you know, what their backbone is, man. I can respect that. That's pretty cool to me, and I like that. But, hey, man, let's jump into, because, like I said, I had to merge a couple shows together. So we got to kind of do a rewind, go a little bit backwards, and check out what happened last week. Of course, I should already recap this with you guys on Monday, but I slacked this week, man, a little bit extra time with the woman, which you can't ever really pass that up if they're asking. You got to do what the woman asks you to do. She wanted a little bit extra of my time, so she got that. Cool. But that set me off all week to where I wasn't able to do my recap show, uh, able to get to, and I didn't want to do back-to-back shows, so I thought, hey, let's just push this all together, baby. Let's just do it. But, hey, man, let's jump into what we saw last week, man. We saw Better Beave versus uh, Column Smith. We saw him dominate that fight. He bullied the fight. He does what he does. He's a very aggressive-style fighter. He pushes the pace. He gets you in a corner. He beats you down with small, heavy, significant power punches that are to the body, to the head, combinations and uh just eventually does what he does colin smith went down for the first time in his career and then the fight was eventually stopped and uh, i'm not for sure did uh colin not come out of the corner or something like that i'm not for sure uh i kind of caught the last bit of it out of the corner of my eye but i know of course you know i watched the majority of uh better be just dominate the fight and uh colin smith really wasn't able to do much but just kind of like i said he wasn't able to establish his jab he wasn't able to do the uh step back that I really love in boxing, man. You got to be able to do that. And that's why I think better be versus Baval is going to be an absolute great fight because I think Baval is a guy who's really high in the IQ of boxing. He's able to box off of his uh, back foot. He's able to do the step back really well, establish his jab and try to keep better be at distance, which is going to be hard regardless of what your style is. Even if you got a good step back, he's going to come aggressively. But what you got to do with a guy like Better Beave, in my opinion, is you got to use that step back, let him chase you down, and then set him up with a nice counter punch. Uh, hopefully, heavy enough to put the guy down uh, and keep him down because he is a tough son of a bitch, man. And he's going to come at you, man, because that's his style. He's super aggressive. So let him be over aggressive, man, and use that as a way to counter him, in my opinion, man. It's just my opinion, man. Don't hang me over a rope for that shit. Uh, just my opinion on what I think he should do against a guy like Better Beave. But, of course, Better Beave, really great, aggressive fighter. He's going to do what he does, and he's immediately going to make you go to plan B uh, as soon as that fight starts. Like, two rounds in, you're going to be like, fuck, man, we got to throw plan A out, and we got to go to plan B. What's plan B? I don't fucking know. Survive. Survive these punches. Don't let him get you in the corner. Stay out of the corner. Keep moving. Stay moving. Make this guy chase you down. See, test 
test his stamina. I don't know. He's a tough dude at 38 years old. Uh, everybody keeps bringing up his age, but like I said, man, this is a new era of athletes, man. These guys can play, fight, play and fight into their forties because of the, you know, conditioning the and the type of stuff that they are, you know, they have access to now that they didn't 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, things that are going to make them just better athletes all the way around, uh, longer longevity on their careers, things like that. So, uh, to me, I think we got to hopefully see this fight happen. I've been hearing talks that, you know, it's in talks to happen in Saudi Arabia, like every single big fight's going to happen, I guess, over in Saudi Arabia. But this is supposedly in the talks and that they're hoping to get this done between these two guys. Uh, and I'm hoping they get it done before the summertime or maybe at the beginning of summer we get that fight. I don't want to get all the good fights in the beginning of the year. Let's spread some out. But I'm looking forward to that fight Big time because I just think it's going to be a hell of a fight, man. I think it's going to be one of the best fights out there of the year by far, man. Uh, also, on that undercard, man, we got to see Jason Maloney uh, defeat Saul Sanchez in a decision, which was a really good fight overall, man. It went 10 rounds, uh, and I thought Jason Maloney landed the more precise, heavier uh, punches, the more damaging punches uh, on Sanchez. Sanchez landed more punches overall, but that doesn't always win the fight, man. Uh, he was some, a little bit more active, not much more active. Jason Maloney was active, too. It was a hell of a fight for 10 rounds. These guys banged it out. Could have went either way, Saul Sanchez or Jason Maloney, but Jason Maloney got the decision, retained his IBF title, man, which I like to see. Uh, congratulations to him. And then you also had on, on the co-main event, Chris and McBilly versus uh, Rohan Murdoch, which was a fight that Murdoch, I think, went into completely wrong. He wanted to do a slugfest with uh, McBilly and Chris and McBilly invites that type of fight. So he's like, yeah, let's slug it out. And eventually it came to a stoppage with Chris and McBilly getting the win in that fight over Murdoch in a stoppage where he just kind of dominated. He said, okay, you want to punch with me? We're going to punch. So super middleweight, look out for Chris and McBilly. Who's he going to fight in the super middleweight? Maybe a guy like uh, Demetrius Andre. I'd like to see him match up against a guy like that. Even a Jaime Mangia be a good fight for him. But definitely test him. No doubt about that. Uh, so that wraps up what we saw last week, guys, that I wasn't able to get to you with. But now, hey, let's we, we recapped it. I gave you my reactions to it, what I thought, what the outcomes could be for each, uh, for better be for winning this fight with Baval. Uh, get this fight with Football do an undisputed championship at the lightweight, uh, light heavyweight division after uh, possibly maybe getting a uh, undisputed champion at heavyweight in February. So this could be a really good year for boxing, man. We could see a lot of unifications and undisputed uh, titles going on, guys. Uh, a lot of opportunities out there for these guys. Um, of course, I can jump in. I, what I want to do is I want to give the women some love, guys. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, this fight we got coming up this weekend, but between Natasha Jones and Michaela Mayer is going to be a hell of a fight at the welterweight division as we get to see both of these women who are going to just battle it out, man. They're both hell of fighters. Uh, Michaela Mayer, we know her. She's more well-known name, all that kind of stuff. Of course, Natasha Jones is also, if you know female fighting, Natasha Jones is a very well good name. This is going to be Michaela's one of her toughest tests, I think, next to, uh, you know, Alicia Bum Boomgardner. 
who I thought was her her toughest test. Uh, Alicia, a really strong fighter, but of course was just recently busted for substance abuse. So, you know, we don't know exactly what went on with that fight. Michaela doesn't talk much about it, but she's ready to move on. She jumped from 135 to 140 to 147 welterweight really, really fast, uh, a little bit sooner than what she expected. But I think her height and her reach, given her advantage in this fight, Natasha uh, Jones, she's a, uh, you know, a girl who likes to get inside and bang it out with you. She will throw punches with you. You, uh, you guys might be familiar with her from the Katie Taylor fight that she fought. Fought really good, but of course, Katie Taylor got that fight. Uh, I saw her take a lot of big punches in that fight, uh, in my opinion. But if you're Michaela Mayer, you keep you establish your jab, you use your uh, height, your reach to your advantage, keep her on the outside, keep her stagnated to where she can't really do anything because of her reach and the disadvantage she's going to have in that in that part uh, in the ring. So keep her at bay, and I think she can win this fight pretty decisively. Uh, you know, keep. Keep her aggravated. If she can't do anything, you keep her on the outside with that reach. Uh, keep yourself moving around the ring. Stay mobile. Uh, don't wear down. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. I think it comes down to a decision with Michaela Mayer uh, winning that with a decision, guys. Uh, but that's going to be a great fight. That's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be over in Liverpool. Uh, so it's probably going to be early. Uh, with the prelim fights, I'm thinking 12, 1 o'clock, we're going to get a start time possibly five six o'clock uh main card start time between mayor and jones uh pretty good little undercard on that let's jump into the co-main event for that's going to be jack coolen versus zach chuley then you're going to get mark jeffers versus uh jermaine brown you're going to get aaron mckenna versus uh mickey ellison you're going to get carissa artistall versus lila de santos you're going to get jack macy versus stevie Eliando Nadero. That's a strong name. I like that name. Stevie. Eliando Nadero. Like if I had to pronounce my name and it was that name, I would tell every I would say my full name every time. What is your name? Stevie Eliando Natore, my friend. Ratatata. <laughs> I mean just that's kinda how I feel, guys. Just sorry there. But, hey, man, let's jump in. That That's going to be this weekend, like I said, on ESPN and Liverpool for the IBF uh, welterweight title in the women's division, man. A hell of a fight. Definitely make sure you tune in. You're going to get a good undercard. You're going to get a good main event overall in that fight. So that's going to be nice to see. Now, I'm also interested to see if it's going to be three-minute, 12, three-minute rounds. If it's going to be three-minute rounds because – I thought I heard Michaela Mayer speaking on that, and she likes the idea of three-minute rounds. She thinks that's just about the time she gets herself going. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe Amanda Serrana got something started there, which I like to see. But, hey, man, let's jump over to some news. Of course, Oscar De La Hoya announced this week that he thinks Jose Ramirez versus Ryan Garcia could be a fight that is in the future and possibly could be Ryan's next fight. Ryan comes out, says, <laughs> pump the brakes on that shit bro that's not gonna happen i don't want no part of jose ramirez i don't want that fight he wants roly now like i said uh last week this is just a weird situation with this with these guys ryan seems to be stuck on his guns i'm gonna fight who i want to fight and you're either gonna put me in the ring or you're fucking not uh i don't know what floyd planted in his head to really kind of get this guy going on hey you make your own. You make your own path. Uh, don't let Oscar tell you who you're going to fight. Uh, now the Devon fight is a great fight for Ryan, I think. But 
I do agree going to get a belt versus Roley uh, would be ideal. But let's be real here. Roley has a mandatory. All right. So unless Barossa decides to take step aside money, he has earned that right to be the mandatory. And I think Roley should have to fight him. And then Ryan should get the winner of that fight. All right. And then if he wants to grab a belt from the winner of that and then go fight Devin Haney, that would be a smart move. But I think he needs to wait for the outcome of that fight so that we can. Barossa deserves that opportunity. Oh, man, Barossa deserves that opportunity, man. So if he goes in there and beats Roley, then Ryan should have to fight Barossa for that belt. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, for a guy like Barossa, did he ever think he would get that opportunity to fight a Ryan Garcia? Uh, and that could be on the table for him, possibly later this year, if he goes and gets that rematch first. Roley like he wants, but Roley seems to have no interest in fighting Ryan Garcia or fighting Barossa, but he's going to have to fight somebody at some point. You just can't hang around with that belt at your house all day making out with it, buddy. Uh, you pay fees on it, so come on, pal. Uh, anyways, man, a little bit more news. Adrian Broner in the news saying that uh, Bill Haney's been talking a lot of shit, so he should send his son over his way so he could beat his ass, and he wants to fight Devin Haney now. Of course, everybody wants to fight Devin Haney. He's the name out there. Uh AB being from my hometown, man, I got to give the guy some love, of course. You know, the nasty natty, baby, that's where I'm from. Uh, AB, you know, he's a legend here. Uh, I love anything he does, support anything he does, watch him, any fight he's in, but I don't want to see him versus Devin Haney right now. I think there's too many good fights out there from Devin to grab belts and be more significant fights than an Adrian Broner fight right now. Adrian's kind of on his way out the door. Older fighter, man, doesn't have a lot to prove, doesn't have a lot to offer anybody at this point uh, in his career. He's not going to be a name that if you beat everybody's going to be like, oh, he's old. And if he beats you, you're going to be like, oh, shit, you shouldn't have lost to this old guy. So, you know, it's I don't think it's a, a win. It's a lose-lose situation for Devin Haney fighting a guy like Adrian Broner at this point. Go fight a Teofimo Lopez, uh, you know, Subaru Mateus, who's calling everybody out. He's saying, hey, you pussies. Teofimo Lopez, Devin Haney, you guys are all pussies. You don't want none of me. Ryan Garcia, you don't want none of Sabrio Mateos, man, because I'm going to knock you all out. I I respect the guy. You know, he's he's a cool dude. He's got a lot of power, but I would love to see him, like I said, and I said it earlier in the year, Art, uh, Arthur Barbosa, Barbosa versus Subaru Mateus would be a great fight, man. But let's not get too far off track. Like I said, AB wants that fight against Devin Haney, man. And let's also talk about what Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn signed on for this week in a five-on-five fight. They're going to put their best five guys in their stable versus each other. This is going to happen in Saudi Arabia, of course. Uh, No date has been set, but they're going to announce the fighters on the AJ versus Ghana card. Uh, They're going to let everybody know who they are. But this is pretty interesting because this is going to be in the U.S., guys, here in Detroit, Michigan, baby. We're going to get this in from a from a promotional company that has now signed on with the zone out of the US baby uh Salita Promotions uh will launch their inaugural big time boxing USA event uh that's going to be streaming live on the zone with a night of fights on Tuesday February 20th headlined by a 10 round all Michigan showdown baby you're going to get Flint Michigan's own Adriel Holmes Jr who's going to defend his USBA title, uh, Super Welterweight Championship, against Detroit's own 
Marling Harrington, baby. So that's going to be a nice little fight card that's going to be on uh, part of the five versus five best guys in their stable. They're going to put them up against each other, man. I think that's going to just be really, really cool. Uh, I think that's, or no, did I just mix my shit up? I think I did, guys, actually. That Salida promotional is like a next-gen thing. That's not the five-on-five five thing. That five-on-five five will be announced on the AJ versus Gane fight. I kind of went into it. But Salita Promotions is the company that just signed with the Zones. They're gonna. It's like the new next-gen that was on HBO, but it's going to be here in the U.S. based out of Detroit. Uh, Salita Promotions, is, that's where they're based at. Like I said, it's going to be an all-Detroit battle. This is going to be pretty cool, man. Definitely looking forward to it. But that's going to take us into a rumor, uh, rumors out there that Canelo Alvarez is signing on to fight the older Charlo brother in May. Now, to me, I don't really like this fight at all. I think it's a cherry-pick fight. It's another way for Canelo to duck Benavidez, who would definitely be ready to fight in May at any time with him. I think it's just another way for him to duck his mandatory Cherry pick his legend. Continue to be. Oh, look at these guys that I beat. I beat the Charlo brothers. I'm going to put them on my list. And Canelo Alvarez, I beat the Charlo brothers. I'm number one now, uh, all time, ever. You know, but I'm not going to fight David Benavides or David Morrell. Them young guys will whoop my ass, Holmes. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, here's Canelo, in my opinion, just kind of punking out, man. How you skip out on a mandatory just is beyond me. Talks about fighting Hami McGee in September. I just, you know, it makes you sick that nothing's being done either. I mean, no no committee is going to step up, WBC, WBA, IBF. None of these guys are going to step up and say, hey, you're not fighting your mandatory, who is obviously David Benavidez. He is the mandatory. I don't know what the fuck boxing doesn't understand about the word mandatory, but it really has an issue with the word mandatory. It doesn't seem to comprehend what that word means. It means at, if uh, it's mandatory at my job that I have to do something, then that means I got to fucking do it. I can't just keep sending it to the side and do the next thing and decide I'll do the mandatory thing last. No, it's a fucking mandatory. You got to do it first, bro. You got to do it first. So stop jumping through the hoops. Stop being a pussy, in my opinion. Stop cherry picking and just go fight David Benavides and give us that fight. Stop hoping that he's going to weigh out and go up to another fucking division and you're going to get lucky and not have to fight the guy. That's some pussy shit, especially for a guy who fights for a living. Uh, Excuse my language. It's got a little. And like I said, I get real heated when I talk about Canelo anymore. I used to be a. you know, a supporter of him. I used to like him. I, I couldn't deny his legacy, couldn't deny his greatness. But now I just feel like he's a guy who's cherry-picking uh, boxing for the fights that he wants that fits him better, and he's not going to fight the fights that he should. Uh, and he is what was wrong with boxing two years ago. He is what was wrong with boxing two years ago. A guy like that is just going to fight who he wants to fight and not who he's supposed to fight. Uh, and that's the issues that boxing's had for a long time, guys ducking guys. And then now in 2023 and 2022, we saw that kind of go to the wayside, and everybody started fighting everybody. But you still have a legend in Canelo Alvarez who refuses to fight the guys he's supposed to fight. Uh, you know, I can't, I just can't back that, man. It's not something that I'm a big fan of myself. Uh, but, hey, guys, once again, man, I had to redo this show. So thank you for joining me uh, later in the week for my usual episode 42 breakdown, uh, Bourbon and Boxing. Jeff, I'm your host, man. You can also follow me on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and 
uh, Prime Music. You can follow me on there. Check me out on YouTube on my channel on there, Bourbon and Boxing. You can also check out my Facebook group, Bourbon and Boxing. Join me if you like. Send an invitation. It's a private group. But, man, I only put good stuff on there. No trash, no bullshit, no trash talking, no old school. We're going to live in the Pacquiao Mayweather fucking days. Nah, man, we live in today's boxing. We talk about relevancy on my stuff all the time, guys. But thank you for joining me, man. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, all that awesome stuff, man. Show some love to me. Uh, any company out there wants me to rep you, man. Hit me up, dude. We'll talk about, you know, what I can rep for you as far as maybe advertising your product on my show. Anything like that, man. I'm up to make a buck. You know what I'm saying? So hit me up, man. And thank you guys for joining me once again on episode 42 of Bourbon and Boxing. I'm your host, Jeff, man. You guys have an awesome, awesome night. As I'm going to sit here and watch some 24-hour boxing on Tubi TV top-ranked channel, baby. Check that out also. That's a piece of fucking gold, baby. That's worth a subscribe itself. So if you find this because of me, you better subscribe to my channel, you freaking mother.